0: Welcome to the Indianola First podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life changing action. Good morning, Indianola First. Great to have you all here joining us online and from living rooms all over the place. We're so happy that you've joined us today. And, uh, you know, this has been a different kind of week for our country. Fear has gripped many. Hysteria has gripped a few. And there are many who are just waiting in uncertainty over what's going to happen next. There are conspiracy theories floating, political implications, nation blaming, and actually some really rude people getting a bit grabby in the toilet paper aisles at our stores. And uh, during a crisis, I want you to know something. Christians turn to the word of God. One of the best passages that speaks to this subject of crisis and fear. is Psalm 91. And so if you've got your Bibles today, go ahead and turn to them, uh, turn to this Psalm and Psalm 91. If you've got your phones you know, out, uh, you, can, uh, you can go to your phone uh, Bibles, but let's look at it together. And as you're doing that, I wanna say, in the Aramaic literal translation of the Hebrew text, called the Torgum. it reads as if King David is making a statement to Solomon in verse 1. Then Solomon responds in verse 2, David replies in verses 3 through 13, and the Lord himself confirms all that has been spoken to Solomon by David in verses 14 through 16. So we can break this whole psalm down uh, uh, very simply and organize it by saying this, the prophet speaks and gives us a promise in verse 1. The faithful one answers in verse two, the prophet elaborates on the promise in verses three through 13, and the Lord puts a stamp of approval on what's been said in verses uh, 14 through 16. I've given all of you this definition before of, of faith and fear, but let me do it again this morning because I think it's so important to what's going on in our world and in our nation. Fear is believing that something you cannot see is going to happen. Faith is believing that something you cannot see is going to happen. And you might notice there's the same definition, and that's very, very true. They're closely related. I would even say this, that if you have the ability to to have fear, which we all know we have the ability to have fear, then you also have the capacity to have faith. Every one of us can stand in faith this morning. The difference between those two things is fear believes something bad is going to happen and is going to continue to happen, and faith stands on God's word and says, I believe something good is gonna happen. That's the difference, and folks, we need to say amen to that. There's nobody in the congregation today here physically to say amen, but say amen from your couches if you would. Praise the Lord. I I love that definition because it really opens the door to us understanding that we as Christians can have faith in these kinds of moments and these kinds of times. I want to read, let's get right into it, read what the prophet's statement is. And this is the the promise in Psalm 91, verse 1. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This is a statement of truth, church. It's a promise of God. However, it is conditional and only true for the believer that dwells, not visits every once in a while, not just claims with words, not wishes just in a moment of need. This promise says whoever dwells, dwells means abides or lives in, He that lives in the secret place of God Almighty. The secret place is symbolically referring to the Holy of Holies here, which was only entered by the high priest. It was a place of the presence of God. And notice it says in the secret, not close to it. It says in the secret, not used to be in. It doesn't say, but it it does say he who lives in now currently resides in the secret place of the Most High. So what am I saying with all that? That Psalms, verse one, Psalms 91 verse 1 is the, uh, it, it's really the promise of this whole psalm. And it's for those, we talk about all the time, that, that promises in God's word have conditions attached to them. They're not just automatic. The condition here is he who dwells, In the secret place of the Most High, it starts out with the condition. And then it says, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. They get to live and dwell under the shadow, or the protective wing of the Almighty, who is God. Under his shadow is a hiding place, it's a place of protection, a place of comfort, it's a place of peace. It's the place where nothing can get you, nothing evil can touch you. It is the place of our loving Father's arms wrapping around us, shielding us from the storms of life. And you and I, according to the scripture, we have the privilege, if we live up to the condition of the promise, to live in that place, under the Father's wings, under the shadow of the Almighty, with His arms wrapped around us, as long as we dwell in that secret place. And so maybe just to, to elaborate even a little more on this first verse, um, how do we do that? How do we live and dwell in the secret place? And I'm so glad that you asked that this morning. Number one, we got to remain holy. We must be a holy people. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lusts as, you, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy." If you wanna live in the secret place of the Most High, you gotta remain holy. Now it must be said that holiness can't be achieved by just not sinning. It can only be achieved through the blood of Jesus Christ continually being applied to the sin in our life. You know, even in this moment of, of national crisis, I, I want you to know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not scared, I'm not fearful, and we're not full of panic as God's people, at least we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be at all. But in this time of crisis, things start to happen. Systems start to break down. People start to act in ways that they don't normally act. Hoarding things because they, find they, they want to make sure that they don't run out of anything. And, and, and sometimes it can even carry over into sinful actions when we get so panicked. No reason for that, especially for the Christian. We have a God who loves us with an everlasting love, and if we're willing to, to, to uh, dwell in that secret place of the Most High, we should have no, no uh, worry because we're, we're under the shadow of the Almighty. We're protected, amen? I, I heard you from your couches, amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord, that's good stuff. If you want to live in the secret place of the Most High, you have to remain holy. Number two, if you want to remain uh, in the, the, the secret place of the Most High, we must be in close fellowship with God. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. And you will spend your time with what and who you love. Just, it's just that simple. Is it easier to spend two hours in front of the television watching all the reports on COVID-19, or is it easier for you to spend two hours in prayer? Praise God, we have a president right now who has said and declared this day a national day of prayer. How awesome is that? And it's probably, not just probably, it is, I'll just say it that straight up, it is important that we shut off the noise that the world is trying to cram down our throats and pray and seek God in this time. This can be the church's finest hour. And we've gotta believe that. That's the kind of people we are. We're people of his presence. We're people of his word. We're people of prayer. We don't have to fear. We have gotta remain in close fellowship with God. And, and staying in close fellowship with him. I, you know, I just taught about this recently. The Greek word for fellowship with God is koinonia, which means mutual affection, enjoyment of his presence in reference to God. It means conformity to his image, communication, partnership, relationship, it strongly implies a partaking of the divine nature. When we spend time with God, then we become like him. You wanna stay in that secret place? Be in close fellowship with God. Stay holy. That's so important. Number three, if you wanna stay, stay in that secret place, you must stay in his will. And there's no way that you can dwell in that secret place of the most high when you refuse to remain in his will. In Matthew 7 Jesus says, you won't enter heaven unless you do the will of the Father. In Matthew 12 it says or Jesus says, you're only a part of his family when you do his will and obey him. These are serious verses, church. We need to be people that are constantly seeking to do God's will with everything we do in our lives. And God's will literally means his special purpose for you. His intent his desire, his determination for you. It, it is always our choice whether or not we want to do the will of the Father because we have free will. He loves us that much that he doesn't make us a bunch of puppets. He says, this is my will for your life. You can choose to do it or not. Folks, if we want the promise of Psalm 91, which we're going to get into in just a second, we have to remember it's for those, it's the condition here, it's for those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High. It's for those that dwell in that secret place. I like what Philippians 4, 8 says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Our minds need to go to a place where we're thinking about the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the fact that he is our great physician, he's our provider, he's our healer, he's our deliverer, he is our everything. In times like this, we lean on him wholeheartedly, and we maybe even take a step back and reflect a little bit and say, wow, I I have been leaning on my own understanding a little bit here. I have been leaning on my own abilities to do this or to do that, and, and, and I haven't been leaning on God like maybe I should. Folks, what a wonderful time in, in, a, in a nation when we're going through something like this to just remember that He's our everything. We need to have His thoughts and think in His terms and in His ways. It's so important for us. And this verse is Philippians 4.8, it's so important to remember in moments of crisis. It calls us to filter our thoughts. We must remain positive and full of faith. In all things, God works for the good of those that love him. You know, turn to to someone at home right now, someone you're watching with, and and just look them in the eye and say, God uh, uh, works all, he works all things together for Good. For those that love him. Just say it right now to each other. That's a wonderful thing to remind each other of. Wonderful thing. Dwelling in that secret place is the key, again, to abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. You cannot abide under the shadow of the Almighty when you only look for the secret place in times of trouble and crisis. And yes, we need to get in that secret place right now if we haven't been, and God is wonderful, and he's gracious, and he's merciful, and, and this verse, this promise within this verse can be yours if you decide today, yes, I'm going to walk during this crisis in his secret place. I'm gonna live there. That's fine if that's your decision today, but I'm saying we need to keep that decision going from here on out. It's not something that we just jump into whenever we need him, like a 911 emergency prayer. Those are great prayers, but if that's the only time we're, prayer, we, we're praying, that's a problem. COVID-19, again, is a term that doesn't scare me. And understand, that's not an arrogant refusal to believe the facts. That's not a, I don't believe in science kind of statement. It's a statement that's rooted in faith. The truth that no matter what happens, God is in control. That, that's, that's just it. Crisis times are always opportunities for God's glory to be made known. And someone could say, well, then how come you didn't have church today? Honestly, and we said this in our statements uh, uh, before church this morning, we want to honor what Governor Reynolds has said because it's important, according to the word of God, to honor our governing authorities. You know what, though? We didn't cancel church. We're having it right now, folks. Amen? That's awesome. And we're so thankful for that. Okay, so we talked about verse one, the promise, the condition, um, that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We can find protection, that's the promise. Then in Psalms 91, two, we see the faithful one respond. And this should be our, as faithful people in Christ, as those that have a, a real personal relationship with Jesus, this should be our response to that first verse. It says in verse two, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. And this is spoken with a confidence that this will be the legacy of the faithful one's life and it needs to be our declaration this morning. You are my refuge, O God. You are my fortress. My God, you are who I trust. I trust you, Lord Jesus. That should be our declaration. And then I love how it moves right into verse uh, three through 13 and I'm gonna read it all and then I'm gonna break it down kinda verse by verse or section by section, but the prophet here in verse three through 13, he elaborates on the promise, which is even better because we get a really good visual of what it means to really abide under the shadow or uh, uh, abide under the shadow of the Almighty, to live there, to have protection. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. I love that. No plague coming near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the bear. You, I'm sorry, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Surely, and I want to get back to that first verse. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Say that 10 times, perilous pestilence. (laughs) Uh, This eludes, this verse here alludes to that which tries to overtake us suddenly and without warning. Those attacks that come from the adversary that are sudden and unexpected, I mean, who would have thought a couple of months ago that we wouldn't be able to meet because of community spread of a new virus? I mean, things can come out of nowhere all of a sudden and seem to try to take us out. That's the definition of without warning, if you ask me. Snares also elude to enticements or temptations that Satan would place before us in our weakest moments. Man, He's he's a master of getting us uh, worry-weary, becoming so tired and fatigued because of all the worry and the anxiety that comes with a crisis. And then what does he do? He, he's, he's Satan's sneaky. He, he gets us weary with worry. We get tired. We let our guard down. And then he comes in with fleshly temptations, seemingly from out of nowhere. And so, you know, what can happen so quickly in, 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 in a crisis situation, and like we're having even in America right now, it, it's he comes in, we worry so much that everything starts breaking down, and then he comes in with flesh temptations. Watch for it in your own life, but watch for it nationally, locally. Watch for people to fall into fleshly temptations. It's, it, it's, it's a pattern that the enemy uses all the time. He's so manipulative. He shall cover you With his feathers. Let's go to the next verse, verse 4. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. God the Father will act as a mother hen does towards her brood. A mother hen will place her wing over her brood when birds of prey appear and when stormy conditions threaten them. They will put themselves in harm's way to protect their chicks. There's even been cases where people have found mother hens, mother birds, freezing to death to shield their young from the harsh temperatures. God does the same thing for us, church. How awesome is that? His revelation, his Bible, it becomes a shield from the enemy's darts, which are most often in the form of lies. You know, know, Satan's only real weapon is a lie If you think about it, that is really his only weapon. He whispers them ever so gently into the ears of anyone who will entertain them. He's so sneaky, so sneaky. God's truth, his word, is our shield against Satan's lies. Don't forget that, church. A shield is a defensive tool. It blocks and detours weapons that are launched to destroy us. The truth of the word of God is not only a defensive shield, but it's also an offensive uh, buckler. And a buckler was a small shield, 6 to 18 inches in diameter, and it was used primarily as an offensive weapon. So you see that the truth of God's word is not only our defense in times of crisis, it's our offense, Shall not be afraid, moving to verse five. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day. The terror that comes by night was especially significant to the original hearers, as nighttime was often the time that robbers and thieves would do their treacherous business. This was a time that required a sense of being on guard, because if there was an accident or if a crime was committed, and especially if you were injured, it would be morning before you could receive help. I think the idea of having to sleep with one eye open to make sure that all is well with your family and your properties is the same terror by night fear that, that this is talking about. And I love Second Timothy for, or one seven. It says, "'For God is not giving us a spirit of fear, "'but of power and of love and of a sound mind.'" A sound mind. We got no reason to fear, folks. Amen? No reason whatsoever. Verse 6 in Psalm 91 says, Nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. The psalmist here is just giving us an elaboration of the promise that these kinds of things cannot harm us. They cannot touch us when we are abiding in that secret place, when we're living, dwelling in that secret place, Of the Most High. Darkness, whether it's literal darkness or just the darkness of the unknown, it breeds fear and anxiety. We don't have to fear the unknown if we are dwelling in that secret place. And I believe one of the reasons that COVID-19 is so scary to people is that they don't know for sure what's gonna happen. I mean, being in the dark or not being in the know Keeps millions of people from acting according to their faith. Church, this is a time to rise up in faith and stand strong. Use common sense, of course. Follow governing authorities' uh, uh, suggestions and things like that, but not to cower in fear. Heavens, no. That's not what we're supposed to do. A thousand, this is verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. This is a promise of protection for perilous times. It's a promise of protection against the world that plagues us on a daily basis. Thousands falling at your side and 10,000s falling at your right hand is to say that those that are destroyed by the lies and the falsehoods that are spoken by the so-called experts will be very near you. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in the midst of the fire but didn't get burned. In fact, they didn't even smell of smoke. And this will be your story, and this will be your song. Thousands will fall around you to the contagious diseases of sickness and sin. That's possible, and you will not be touched by any of it. That's what the Word of God is saying here. What an awesome promise for those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Verse 8 says, "'Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked.'" Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. You're not going to reap the same reward as the wicked. Nothing evil or vile or destructive will fall upon you. You will only see it happening to those who are not abiding where you abide which is in the very presence of God Almighty. When it says that no plague at all, that word plague means a blow, a spot, a sore, a wound. It won't come near your dwelling place, which is the presence of God. And I should say here that someone in our church People in our church may already have this particular virus. You may still get it. We might see a a, a spike in Iowa, or a spike in Indianola, and and we may have church members that get this. But understand, um, just because a a sickness comes upon you doesn't mean that you have to fall to the fear of it. Doesn't mean that you have to be destroyed by it. It doesn't mean that, that we cower in the corner. Church, we serve a living God. We serve a God who is our great physician. And as Christians, we never forget the hope that is within us. Someone says, Well, what if someone in our church that believes what you're preaching dies of COVID? Well, for the Christian, does death really exist? I mean, we, it's a win-win for us no matter what. We either stay here and conquer, we stay here and we walk in faith, we stay here and we live victoriously, or we go home to heaven where the victory is, is just beyond even what, what I just described. Victory is victory. We, it's a win-win all the time. So, well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to die. Well, then stand firm Stand fast, know what the word of God says, put a smile on your face, get rid of the fear, and know that God is going to take care of you. And dwell in that secret place. That's where this promise really becomes alive. And and I gotta say this, so many people don't. We compartmentalize everything in our lives. We don't dwell in that secret place. And you can ask yourself, well, I think I do, you know, do I? I, I? I don't know if I do. How's your prayer life? How excited are you to read God's word? How excited are you to spend time in his presence just worshiping and talking with him, whether it be in the morning or late at night or any time that you give him during your day? How much of a part of him and and his presence and just communing with him, having fellowship with him, how much of your day are are you allowing for that to happen? Or is your day consumed with news and and drama and and chaos and family issues and work-related problems and all this stuff? God calls us in this psalm, and, and we gotta be careful. We can claim promises all we want as Christians, but if we don't look at the conditions, we're, we're, we're not really reading the full, the full story, right? We're not living what it's saying. Dwelling in the secret place of the Most High is a life change for a lot of us. It's a life change. It's a lifestyle change. And we've got to go there because that's the place where we can abide under the shadow of the Almighty Verse 11 says this, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. More promise, more, more elaboration here of the promise that's given. The enemy may attempt to injure you, but they will not be able to. Those enemies of our souls will not be able to. The angels of God have a special charge to accompany, defend, and preserve you. Against the angels' power, the influence of the enemy will not win. The angels will, when necessary, turn your steps away from danger and push the devil back out of your way. And we are not just talking about the, the single guardian angel uh, assigned to you. We're talking about multitudes of angels, thousands upon thousands, millions upon millions of angels that are dispatched. That's why it's so important for us to pray right now, to pray and ask God, Lord, shut this virus down in our country, shut it down in our nation. We know that we're not fearful of it. That we know that it that it, it, it's 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 not just it, it's not the plague. But it's causing so much fear that it's shutting things down, and that's a big issue. And we certainly want to be protected, especially our older ones and those that that suffer with lung issues or asthma or things like that. They especially need to be careful. We as a church need to be praying for those that, that this kind of stuff stays clear of them. Amen? That's what we ought to be doing. Not talking about it, cracking jokes about it, being defiant about it. Let's pray. Let's pray. What a great time for the church to rise up and be the church. These angels are sent out with their marching orders to protect the sanctified, the blood-bought, believers that have made the secret place their dwelling. The angels of the spiritual realm have been commissioned to look out for the faithful's best interest, They are charged by God himself. A charge is a strict command, not a passive suggestion. Angels are charged with the duties of protecting those that dwell in the secret place because God doesn't want them to even trip a little bit. His promise is true for those that dwell in the secret place. Angels are dispatched for you. Hallelujah amen what an awesome thought in the midst of chaos in the midst of trouble in the midst of any kind of pestilence or any kind of plague we have angels that are discharged to protect us to come around us to keep us from those horrible things that is an awesome thought and should give us faith and hope and confidence today you know when a toddler first starts walking every little pebble trips them right The charge to these angels from the very throne of God is to go and see to it that not any of the believers that are abiding in his presence would even stumble a little bit. And notice that this is also the verse that Satan quoted to Jesus in Matthew 4, 6. Even Satan knows the power of this verse, and he tries to twist it and its meaning with Jesus, and and of course to no avail, because Jesus is the word, and you're not gonna twist uh, the scripture with him, obviously, but he's going to twist it with you too. He'll whisper those lies in your ear. Did God really say that you have these promises? He'll try and get your eyes focused on the circumstances around you and not on the answer to the problem. And that answers Jesus Christ. He is our answer. You know, Satan's lies are still the same as they were from the days of the Garden of Eden. I don't know about you, but I've had enough of those lies. I'm not listening to them anymore. I'm sick of fear. I'm sick of the negativity and the manipulations that cause so many to fall to his lies. Satan's head's been crushed. Hallelujah. He is a whipped pup. Amen. He's passed. Uh, uh, is it an embarrassment? and his present is only as effective as we let it be, and his future has already been written. It's total and complete destruction. Satan is going down, and we know it. We know it, and we can stand upon the truth of that. This is a foe whose teeth have been completely kicked out. He has, he has to roam around like a lion because he's not one. He has to be like a lion because he's not one. This is an enemy who's so beaten that he has to ask God permission before he can even tempt somebody. And I know he's effective, I get that, but only because we've let him become effective. We're so willing to listen to the lie, but devil, not anymore, I hope that's your attitude today. Get your hands off our families, get them off our churches, get them off our finances, get them off our our loved ones, get them off our kids or our parents, get them off of our city, get them off of our, our, our state, get them off our nation, get them off our world. You can't touch us because we're choosing today to live and dwell in that secret place of the Most High. Sooner or later, you gotta put your foot down and say, enough's enough. Sooner or later, we have to wake up and start dwelling in that secret place, the place of his presence. And and don't forget, when when people try to move in in the promises of God without fulfilling the condition, it's trouble. Remember the seven sons of Skeva. They went in to cast a demon out of somebody, and they were whipped up on and stripped naked and sent screaming out of the house. They hadn't met the conditions. They they didn't do the the, the prayer and the fasting. They they didn't understand what it meant to walk in the conditions given to those kinds of promises. Today, church, I want to I want to remind you that because we can claim again all we want that nothing's gonna touch us. But I'm telling you, if you don't dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you're not meeting the conditions. That is the important part of that verse. So we just went over 3 through 13 where the prophet elaborates on the promise. The next three verses is where God puts his stamp of approval on what's been said. We see God saying in these verses, uh, he believes, he's saying yes to this, this is truth, and he does that by giving seven I wills. And we're gonna go over those real quick. Verse 14, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high. Because he has known my name, he's talking about the people that are dwelling in the secret place. Because he, knows, because he uh, has known my name, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God says of those that dwell in the secret place and write these down, get these. We'll put them up on the, on the screen for you. I will deliver them. I will deliver them. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm delivered. I'm delivered because God's going to deliver us. I will save them in troubles, temptations, and evils of every kind is what he's saying. The second I will is I will set him on high. I will place him out of the reach of all of his enemies. I will honor and bring him nobility because he hath known my name, because he has loved, honored, and served me and rendered me that worship which is my due. He has known me to be the God of infinite mercy and love. And God says for the person that dwells in the secret place that he will set them on high because of it. He's gonna deliver them, he's gonna set them on high, and three, he's gonna answer them. He says, I will answer him. When they call on me, I will give them the desires of their hearts as long as those desires are from a heart that is broken and contrite. I will deliver them, I will set them on high, I will answer him, I will be with him during trouble. And literally, I am there immediately is what that means. He will be with us during those times of trouble. Number five, I will honor him. I will glorify him, I will load him with honor, the honor that comes from God. I will, give, I will even show to men how highly I praise the person that dwells in the secret place. That is what God's saying. This is God saying that about us, that he will honor us. We give God honor by dwelling in that secret place, by showing him true worship, By living there, and it's a statement with our life that we think he is worthy of that, and that's where we want to be. He says, I'll honor him. He even says, I will glorify him or her. (laughs) Number six, I will satisfy him with long life. Literally, with length of days will I fill him up. He shall neither live a useless life. Oh, man, praise God. No more useless living No more ping-ponging through life. No more pinballing around because of situations and circumstances. We don't have to live a useless life, nor die before our time. He shall live happy and die happy. Hallelujah. So he's going to deliver them. He says, I will set him on high. I will answer him. I will be with him during trouble. I will honor him. I will satisfy him with long life. And the last one is, I will show him my salvation. They will discover the infinite lengths, depths, and heights of His salvation. They will dwell in My glory, and throughout eternity, increase in their resemblance to Me and enjoyment of Me. In short, He shall have a long life in this world and an eternity of blessings in the world to, excuse me, in the world to come. That is an awesome, awesome promise. So we see the first verse of, of Psalm 91 gives the condition and the promise. The second verse gives a declaration from the faithful ones, a declaration that we should all make and make our prayer. The th- verse 3 through 13 begins to, the prophet begins to elaborate on that promise, which we went over. And then verse 14 through 16 is really God putting a stamp of approval on it by saying, I will seven times and gives you seven things for someone who dwells in that secret place of the Most High. You know, one of the things that I think is so powerful about the, uh, the book of Psalms is that if you can often just adjust it a bit and it becomes powerful prayer. You're praying the word. Jesus prayed the word of God. I, I think that's a great example for us to pray the word of God too. And you, you know, this morning, I want to challenge every one of you to begin to pray and pray the word of God. Use today as a day of prayer to pray the word of God, to pray Psalm 91. And I want to take Psalm 91, and we'll put this on Facebook after service at some point so you guys can have this, but I I want to just have you bow your heads today. And, And let me say, if you're fearful, if you have anxiety, if you're struggling, I mean, let's face it, if your work shuts down and you don't get to go to work, you don't make money, you don't make money, that's a fearful thing. That can be a fearful thing. But we have no reason to fear, church. We need to be able to believe these promises in Psalm 91. And if you're not dwelling in the secret place of the Most High right now, it's a decision away. It's just that simple. You can make that decision that, yes, I will live here. I will walk I will walk and live and dwell in the secret place of the Most High. That's your decision. But I want to pray this psalm. I want to read this entire psalm, but in a prayer form. So would you bow your heads this morning? And wherever you're at, on the the fear level, the anxiety level, maybe you're like, eh, this is just a joke. Even that, we can still pray Psalm 91, especially for those around us and even our brothers and sisters that might be a little fearful. Let's pray together. Dear God, your word promises that the person who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I declare to you, Lord, that you are my refuge and my fortress. My God, in you I will trust. Surely you, O God, will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. You will cover me with your feathers, and under your wings I will take refuge. Your truth will be my shield and buckler. I will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. Only with my eyes will I look and see the reward of the wicked. Because I have made you, O Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, my dwelling place. No evil shall befall me, nor will any plague come near my dwelling. For you shall give your angels charge over me to keep me in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear me up, lest I dash my foot against the stone. I shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent I will trample underfoot. And I know that you say in your word that because I have set my love upon you, you will deliver me, you will set me on high. Because I have made it a point to know your name, I will call upon you. You, I will, and you will answer me. You will be with me in trouble. You will deliver me and honor me. With long life, you will satisfy me and show me your salvation. I thank you for that, God, that your word is for me today, that I can walk in it, that I can be confident in it, and that the promise is for me as I choose today to dwell in your secret place. That means I remain holy That means I run from sin. That means I do what I have to to keep dwelling in that secret place. It means that I I gotta stay in close fellowship with you, Lord, and stay in your will. It means that I gotta be right with you in step, spending time with you every day, God, we make a commitment today as a family, a church family, and as individual families listening in their living rooms right now, we make a commitment to you, God, that, we wanna, that we, we're gonna dwell in your secret place. I even say this, God, we ask you for forgiveness for not dwelling, for letting the world creep in and get us so compartmentalized and, 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 and distracted from you that we've, we, we've forgotten what it means to just dwell in that secret place There's intimacy there. There's peace there. There's hope there. There's deliverance there. There's healing there. There's dwelling and abiding under the shadow of the Almighty there. God, we pray these things in your name, and we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Well, church, I... uh, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in today. I know it's been a little different. I want to thank our, our tech crew that's been awesome to get things ready. And I want to thank this church personally for uh, allowing us a year and a half ago to really take the steps that we needed to take to get to the place where we could have live stream. It's been an investment in time, especially. Uh, some money, yes, but it's, it, it's great that we have it now, isn't it, that we can do this. And uh, I I just want to let you know that we love you. We're continuing to pray for you. Um, I also want to make mention of this. Pastor Bryce is going to be putting something on Facebook a little bit later. We had received some instructions from our general superintendent on how to pray right now as a church for our nation. And he's going to go over some of that on Facebook later today. And especially in reference to it being a, a national day of prayer called by our president, which, praise the Lord, that we, again, that we have a president that's willing to call uh, all of all Americans to pray and seek God in a time like this. I, I'm just so thankful for that. But Pastor Bryce is going to do that, so join him a little later on that. It, 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 you could catch it live, possibly, but you can watch it as it comes up. Um, certainly going to be a, a good thing to be involved with. And, and more than anything else, guys, I just want you to know we love you. Don't walk in fear. God is so good. We serve an awesome God. And I'm telling you what, there's no better time to be a Christian than in the middle of a crisis because life gets adventurous, it gets exciting, and we can just walk in confidence that we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? God bless you. We will see you soon. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.